So Money Episode 779, Ask Farnoosh, with special co-host, Mira Joshi. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Friday, September 7th. It's back to school here in the Tarabi household. Tarabi Dusinger household. Evan started his phase in for pre-K four this week. Parents to three and four-year-olds, you know what I'm talking about. It's the preschool, pre-preschool. <laughs> and Evan started a new school this year. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a... Uh, just, you know, whatever you want to call it, anxiety, excitement, um, nervousness around that, mostly from me. He's fine. He did uh, just have his phase in this week. So he wasn't in school for like a whole day. But starting next week, he'll be going to school full time every day on a bus to school. What? I'm so scared about this. I'm, I'm actually thinking I'm going to ride the bus with him a little bit. So if you're on Instagram and you catch me there, you'll probably see some live <laughs> some live stories happening, me riding the preschool bus <laughs> to school because that's the kind of parent I am, people. There's no guarantee that parents can ride the bus, but Evan is the last stop. And they said if there are seats available that you can get on. So I'll – whatever. Either way, I'm pushing kids away and I'm getting on that bus and I'm going to see what it's like. And I'm going to definitely be smelling the bus driver's breath because I'm sure he or she will – be fine. But you know what? I'm I'm a neurotic first-time parent, so there you go. And so stay tuned for all those neuroses coming your way. This was a really awesome week to be back uh, after being on vacation. We kicked it off Memorial Day with Kim Perel, who went from being laid off or kicked out of a company that went bankrupt to starting companies that have been sold for hundreds of million dollars, a company now that she runs that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. She has a new book out called The Execution Factor. And she's also a mom to twins. So lots that we talked about with Kim from, you know, having a career stick to itness, starting businesses, being a mom and everything in between. And then on Wednesday, really excited to bring on Lindsay Stanberry, who is the work and money editor at Refinery29, one of my favorite websites. And Lindsay just launched a book called Money Diaries, which is based on the series of diaries that they have on Refinery29. For years now, they've been publishing women's money diaries, how they are spending every penny for over the course of a week. Fascinating stuff. Some of it's actually gone viral. People are upset about some of the ways people are spending their money or making their money. It's very interesting stuff, but also very insightful into how especially millennial women are thinking about money, managing their money, and we go into a lot of interesting discussions there with Lindsay. So if you missed any of those two episodes, please take it take a moment maybe this weekend to uh, to listen and, and give me feedback. Today we're tackling your money questions again because why? It's Friday and that's what we do on So Money on Fridays. It's hashtag Ask Farnoosh Friday. And we've got questions today, a lot of them stemming from Instagram about our credit cards 
good, bad, what's my opinion, what would I do if I won the lottery, uh, and everything in between. And to help me navigate all of this is a devoted listener, Mira Joshi. Let me just uh, brag a little bit about Mira. So Mira is Kenyan-born, purebred South Asian. This is her bio. An obsession for forecasting her cash flows. Gotta love that. And by trade, she is a CPA, works in private equity real estate. She is obsessed with managing her money, but it didn't start until about two years ago. I like to think that that's because that's when she started to listen to So Money, but actually that's when she did a big move and I guess uh, had some financial realizations. But before we get into all of that, Mira, welcome to the show. You're So Money. Hi, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for having me. So what's going um, on, Mira? Um, I, I, I like what I hear so far that you're obsessed <laughs> with managing your cash flow and all that good stuff. But this obsession with finance didn't start until recently. So what happened? What changed? So I was living in Atlanta. I was working there. And then I decided I needed a, bit, a little bit of a change. And my boyfriend lived in Baltimore, Maryland. So I was like, okay, let me, you know, I I decided, okay, made the decision to move up here. And I didn't realize how different my life would be. And no one really talks to you about like moving states and things like that and the transition. Mm -hmm. So when I moved up here, I never really lived by myself. And so I decided that I was going to, you know, spend one year living by myself, not with my boyfriend. And in Atlanta, I'd always either lived with my parents or I had a roommate. And so when I moved up to Baltimore, um, Living in the city in a one bedroom is really expensive. Had no idea. So that was a little stressful. And then I had some medical um, scares. And so I had to go to the doctor a ton every week. There were like different appointments. And, you know, mind you, I just got a new job, just moved to a new state, still trying to adjust. And I had thousands of dollars in medical bills. And I decided to take it in my own hands that either I could be really stressed out all the time and be really upset or. I could financially plan and be proactive and know what my cash flows were going to look like every month and just sort of, you know, understand what my finances looked like. And ever since then, you know, I, I've just been on this like mission to like spread the word. And, you know, during that time I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I came across a fabulous one called so money and, um, and the rest is history. You got to a point where your money was no longer going to manage you. That's what you decided. Absolutely. (laughs) I love that. Well, we're so happy to have you as part of the community and tell a little bit about what's going on now. So since you, since that day or that time frame when you started to get really a little, a lot more focused on your cash flow, what's changed? What's improved? So, you know, a lot of things. um, So every month I sort of sit down and look at my expenses and what my income is and, you know, I started cutting down on things. Um, I used to have a lot of gym memberships at places and I decided that, okay, well, there's, you know, there's always another way that you can work out without having to spend so much money. And so, you know, I cut those down. I work out in the gym downstairs. Um, I just, you know, sort of started to come to realization you know, my dad used to say this to me all the time. Um, do you need it or do you want it? And that became very prominent. Okay. I don't need this. You know, I want this. And so just really being aware and more cognizant of how and where I was spending my money. Um, it's changed in just these two years. And I'm, I mean, I've just made such an improvement. Um, 
And so those are some of the things that have changed. Awesome. And what's been some of your favorite topics or episodes on the podcast? What, 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 how can I make it better? Well, I think the, all of it is great, but, um, you know, one of them that I actually listened to this morning is Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of create and cultivate. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, what I really enjoy is when you sort of talk to all these like founders or influencers or financial, other financial gurus about their, their money journey. And I really, really like that because, you know, these are people you sort of look up to and you inspire to, and you sort of, um, you know, want to, want to see what their life is like. And I think when you ask those questions and when we get an insight into it, it really sort of makes me feel like, oh, like I'm not the only one going through a struggle. Like everyone is going through, you know, something financial related every day. So I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you for saying that. Well, yes, the struggle is real. The struggle is <laughs> yes, real, whether is. you're a millionaire, paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and yeah, I complete, that's why I love it too. I love learning from people who are successful about when they weren't. And it really, I think for them, it's a great way to, um, to show their human side, you know, cause we kind of put them yeah. on this pedestal. They're untouchable. They're perfect. No, they're not. They're struggling. They, absolutely. you know, and, they're just yep. better at managing the struggle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So ready to go to Instagram? Cause that's where a lot of our questions came from for this show. I'm really digging that people are finding me on Instagram. I'm trying to do a better job there as there's so, there's like 300 million people on Instagram or something, maybe more, wow. 600 million. Like, I know that's a big range. I think it's either 300 million or 600 million, but either way, it's a lot of people and I want to try to build out the So Money community and audience there. And thank you to everybody who's following me, who's engaging with me there. So a question on Instagram, and I do this sometimes, I go into the stories and I post a little question box and you can actually type in a question and I instantly get it. And I usually reply like within 24 hours on video uh, in the stories. And this is a question from the stories. Can a, can a spender become a saver? J- Mira, what do you think? I, this seems like a, a little bit of a fundamental question to me. I think that uh, I'm a spender at the end of the day. I work to save and I make saving easy for me. It's not my first desire in life to save money necessarily. I like to buy things. I like to fill my life with beautiful things and experiences. And I like to give away money. But I know that saving is important. But I think if I if I were to categorize myself, I'd say I'm more of a spender. What are you? I So I am kind of both. And I love the way you said it. Um, you know, I think it's really important to buy things in your life that are valuable to you and things that bring you joy. But I also think it's so, so, so important to save because emergencies and things like that happen all the time and just retirement and things like that. And people don't think about that very often, but I think it's so important. Like you said, you know, to make saving sort of an easy thing, it shouldn't be hard. Um, and so I, I think, I think anyone, a spender can become a saver. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be sort of a chore or a task. Yeah. And I think maybe another way to put it is that like a spender can adopt saving tendencies and saving behavior. It's like not mutually exclusive. Like you're just a spender or you're just a saver. I think we gravitate towards one or the other 
maybe more naturally. But like I said, you know, there's saving money these days, even if you hate doing it, it, there's so many tools out there that make it so simple and easy and automatic that just do it. And then you can go back to spending. That's how I feel. Like I'm a dessert girl. I like dessert. I don't eat dessert (laughs) all the time. I have to eat my vegetables. I have to eat my food, my nutritional food, my, you know, like my good food. And then I can splurge on a dessert, but I have to like eat the right stuff first. And so that's how I think about spending versus saving. I have to save first, even though maybe it's not my favorite, but I do it because that's what gives me the allowance to then spend with ease of mind. So, and conversely, I think savers can become spenders. I think more savers should give themselves the allowance to spend. I think there are definitely people who've come on this podcast who've said, you know what, I saved so much and I was so obsessed with saving and frugality that I forgot to like, enjoy my money. And I think that's sad. Absolutely. So yeah, I completely yeah. agree with everything you just said. Yep. And it's okay to disagree with me. And I encourage you to disagree with me as co-host, by the way. So if <laughs> anything I say that you're like, uh, nope, negative, bring, you know, call me out. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'll still like you. Okay. So the next question <laughs> is, this is, this is a question about lottery winnings. You know, I always ask guests, I try to at least when there's time, what they would do if they want to the lottery. And so this person on Instagram asked me, what would I do if I won $300 million in the lottery, which is a lot of money? What would you do? So first and foremost, I think um, I would pay any debt off that my parents have. And I mean, if I had any as well, I would pay it off and then contribute into their savings account. And, um, you know, being South Asian in our culture, when, you know, parents have a daughter, it's their responsibility to take care of them or they feel that it's their responsibility to take care of them until they're married. And so I've been fortunate, you know, my parents weren't rich or anything, but I've been fortunate that they've given me the opportunities um, and not have to worry about my finances. So that would be, that would be the first thing is to help my parents. And then the second thing I think that, um, something that I'm like super, um, I don't know, just really, uh, an advocate for is I would invest my money in starting a fund to help women around the world who don't have easy access to sanitary napkins for menstrual cycles. Um, so those are just like the two things that just come to my mind. Um, if I would spend any money that I won. Awesome. Yeah. I think my inclination is also to, rather than think of all the things that I would want to buy or do, I would think about who needs the help. Yeah, because it's a lot of money. First, you got to pay the taxes. That's a no. That's a given. But then I think I would make sure that all my family and extended family is set up. So if you know they are, if any, especially starting with those who are struggling or maybe don't have enough for retirement or are for whatever reason need financial help. And George Clooney did this cool thing. Do you know what I'm going to about to say? Where he invited, I think no. a dozen of his friends over to his house. I think this was after, you know, he sold a tequila company for like, I don't know, a billion dollars or something. This is I a, did not know that. This is a really frustrating story. I'll take us. So he, <laughs> I'm taking us all over the place. But so George Clooney was interviewed by David Letterman on Netflix because David Letterman has this new series, right? It's really interesting, mm-hmm. this talk show or rather interview style series. And George Clooney came and gave him a visit. And in that interview, he revealed that he started this tequila company with Randy Gerber, who is, um, who is the white husband of Cindy Crawford. And he's a huge businessman. He has hotels, he has restaurants, he's invests in real estate. And they, these two are best friends, I guess, because of course, 
you know, what's more beautiful than like Amal and George Clooney hanging out with the Gerbers, um, Cindy Crawford and Randy. And they're just throwing back some tequila one day and they're like, we should start our own tequila brand. And, and then they did because they can, because they have the resources and they, you know, Randy's already plugged into the whole like, you know, liquor, restaurant, food industry, I suppose. So long story short, it gets to be super successful. I've tried it. It's delicious. And they sold the label for, I think, a billion dollars, maybe more. And then I think there are only a few partners. So you do the math. And so I don't know if this was before or after this sale, but George Clooney, I mean, he was independent, he was wealthy before this, but George Clooney invites a dozen of his friends over to his house for dinner. And next to each of their plates is an envelope. And I don't know at what point, but they open the envelopes and in each envelope, a million dollars check written out to each one of these friends. Pretty baller. Pretty, pretty so money, I'd say. That's great, right? I would, you would do something wow. like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I hope my friends do that to me. I know. So I kind of, (laughs) on Instagram, I told, I said I would do this and people were coming out of the woodworks. (laughs) I'm just kidding. People were like, don't forget me. Can I come to your dinner party? And so that's a fun story to tell. And it's it's nice to be George Clooney. That's the summary. Oh, yeah. Um, So what, okay, let's move on to credit cards. Mira, what's your philosophy on credit cards? I know some people that I've interviewed on this show are very anti-credit cards. They're all about living uh, debt-free, and that includes even using a credit card to manage expenses and that you would pay off every month. They just don't like the idea of of any kind of credit, which I find interesting. But first, you. Um, so I have like a very, I think, opposite view of that. I actually... Um, I find a credit card a form of convenience. I hate carrying cash around with me. And I feel like, and people might be like, oh my God, this is crazy. But I feel like when I have cash and I spend it, I can never keep track of how much I'm spending. And I feel like a, for me, a credit card um, helps me stay accountable. And so I know exactly what kind of money I'm spending. And I always, always, always pay the entire balance off every single month. Um, And I feel like this is a really good way for me to see how much I'm spending. And I put all my expenses on this one card that I have. Um, And yeah, I, I think credit cards are great personally. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't like debt as a general statement. It's not like, oh, I love debt. I'd rather be debt free. But I also don't have credit card debt and I use credit cards as a vehicle, as a means to an end, right? So it's a way mm-hmm. for me to, like you like, to see all my expenses in one place. Credit cards offer a lot of, uh, I think, security too in the sense that like if you buy something and it's not what you thought you were going to get when it comes in the mail or if you – um experience some dissatisfaction with a product or service, there's a way sometimes to go back and, you know, get your money back, especially through a credit card. There's a, there's Mm -hmm. a payment history. There's a, there's a bill history. So I like that helps you to build credit, which if you have plans to buy a home or start a business or anything that would require a loan helpful, but I don't like the idea of debt in the sense that you're carrying credit card debt month to month that we know is not ideal, but I think credit cards as a vehicle to help to leverage, to get, to accomplish your goals and to manage your money more wisely can be 
a great way to do it. I do it. I don't have a thousand credit cards. I have a few. Some yeah. are, you know, more used more regularly than others, but that's the gist. And I know there are some major people out there that don't like credit cards. Like Dave Ramsey has been very vocal about, you know, no credit cards, but mm-hmm. I just don't think that's realistic either. When I go to a coffee shop, I can't get coffee. They want credit unless I have my credit card with me. Some places just yeah, don't take cash anymore. Yep. I was just about to say that. So, They're cashless. So. I mean, I guess I could go to another coffee shop, but <laughs> you get my point. It's just not yep. with the times. If you're carrying a wad of cash around all the time, it's not safe. Yeah. All right. Now we have a question here from Yasmin on Instagram. What literature or tips could you suggest on learning more about investing in ETFs versus mutual funds? Well, I think we've had a few guests on the show, Mira, if you recall, uh, Danielle Town, who wrote the book Invested, and she talks about mm-hmm. investing. Um, my friend Aaron Lowry, who's the author of the book Millennial, is coming out soon with a whole book on investing. So stay tuned for that, the book Millennial Investing. And I also think she should check out investopedia.com, which is a free mm-hmm. website for all things financial tools, financial vehicles, like if you want to know what an ETF is or what compound interest is or how to use Excel to manage your finances. I mean, they have so much stuff. Some of it's free. Most of it's free. Then they have their academy and I have a course actually there with them on um, helping college grads with their finances. It's nine modules. You know what I'm talking about, right? I did this course Mm -hmm. back in January. So it's there. Um, So there's a lot of literature. There's, gosh, there's, even Danielle Town's father, Phil Town, wrote a book called Rule Number One or Rule One, all about investing. And I'm sure that he touches on ETFs and mutual funds. But, uh, you know, that's that's what I would say. Is there anything else that you, that you recommend? Um, so I don't – I wouldn't – there's not really a book I would personally recommend, but I feel like there's so many – different tools and resources and blogs available online. So whenever I have something that I want to learn more about, I literally just like Google it. And there's so many things online that you can learn. Um, So that's how I usually get a lot of my knowledge. Yes. And Um, yeah, Googling is a definitely good start. And then um, there are some financial bloggers who dedicate a lot of their writing to investing. And maybe it's not specifically around ETFs or mutual funds, but just general investing. And I know, for example, Mr. Money Mustache mm-hmm. um, is is one go-to site, but there's a lot of others as well. And um, you know, I think once you start exploring the interweb, you will find some good places. And then last but not least, a question here from Paul on Instagram about retirement saving for retirement. And he's wondering if he's doing enough. So first, his age. He's 36. His wife is 33. He saves about, he says, 6% in a Roth IRA, 6% in a 401k of every check. So 12% of every check is going into some sort of retirement vehicle. That's great. Uh, He's got an old 401k of about 8,500. He's got an old Roth IRA with about 1,800 in it. His wife, meantime, has about 40K in her retirement account. So what are they – are they doing enough? And I mean, that's a hard question to answer. I think that, Paul, to really get to the heart of this, you want to figure – you want to know a few things. When do you want to retire? That's important. So what's your investment horizon? And if you were to keep this 
if you were to stay on track with the following 12% of every paycheck and your wife doing her contribution consistently over like the next, you know, maybe 30 years, because you're still in your 30s and you're anticipating retiring in your 60s, there's calculators. They'll tell you how much you'll end up with. And then from there, uh, assume, you know, you'll pay some of that for income tax, but then, you know, 4% withdrawal, 3, 4% annual withdrawal from your retirement accounts in retirement is pretty much what people say it's good to live off of, to be able to not outlive your savings. But on top of that too, there's going to be social security. You'll get it. I know some people are not sure about the future. I don't know if my son's going to have social security when he gets to be of working age and starting to like contribute to certain government benefits. But I, I've been contributing to social security. I better get it. Uh, so I think that's a, a more than certain. Um, so whether you're going to have quote unquote enough, oh, such a tough question, but it's really, you gotta first run the calculators and there are calculators online, aarp.com, choose to save.org. Uh, gosh, Investopedia probably has a bunch of calculators, NerdWallet, Bankrate, tons of calculators to just plug in your current savings rate and your retirement date. And then they'll tell you how much you'll have in theory. And then you can figure out if you need to up or down your contribution. How are you going about this whole retirement savings equation, Mira? Um, so I, you know, I think Paul is definitely right on track with everything that he's doing, but I would, you know, one suggestion I would make, and if he doesn't already do this is him and his wife maybe have like a separate savings account. That's not necessarily in a 401k or a Roth IRA, um, just so you can put an X amount of money on top of what you're already putting away. Um, just sort of, because I feel like when you have a Roth IRA and 401k, it's sort of stuck unless you take a loan out of it. And so I would suggest maybe just having opening one and putting in, I don't know, like a hundred dollars each month or something like that separately, just for other things that Mm. come up. And that's what I've done. Oh, it's when it's worked out for you guys. Yeah. Cool. That's a really good tip. I like that. I like that a lot. I like the idea of also, you know, making it feel like it's a joint effort between he and his wife. So thanks, Paul, for your question and Yasmin and all our friends on Instagram for their really thoughtful questions. We hope that was – I hope my, our answers were informative and fun, maybe funny. If you have more <laughs> questions for me, you know how to reach me. Go to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. Always, always on Instagram you can reach me. And Mira, I hope you have a great fall. It's so nice to connect with you, my wise, beautiful, smart, so money listener. I'm the luckiest podcast host. Can I just say that? I have the best audience. Really. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to listen to the episode and the rest of your episodes. I can't wait. 